Welcome to Tsunami Takeaways, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your teenage years. Each month, we talk about the biggest challenges facing teenagers today and how we overcome them through the Word of God, based on our experience of leading hundreds of teenagers and young adults each week. For more info on Tsunami Takeaways, visit us on all major social media platforms at Tsunami Students. Yo guys, what's up? Welcome to the first ever Tsunami Takeaways. My name is Tyler, and with me in the room is the one and only Nick Bro. Yo, what's up guys? This is Nick. How's y'all's day going? And also, Dallas Keating. What's up guys? Man, we're super pumped. Hey, this is our first Tsunami Takeaway podcast ever. So what we want to do is we just want to start this first episode. We want to introduce ourselves, tell you a little bit about ourselves, and then also kind of about the the vision or the what we see in, for the future of this podcast, just kind of get everybody on the same page. And so, Nick, why don't you start off, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like Tyler said, I am Nick. A lot of you already know me from Tsunami. Um, if y'all don't know me yet, I'm looking forward to getting to meet y'all. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, pretty cool. Recently graduated from McNeese. Got my bachelor's in finance, so that whoop, was fun. Whoop. Go Pokes. Um, go Pokes. Uh, I am engaged. I will be getting married to my fiance, JC, in May, so just a few short months. Um, actually sit sat in the same seats a lot of y'all did. I grew up in Tsunami, so pretty cool to be able to uh, serve you guys and, and lead here with Tyler. Nice. Dude, real quick, what's the what's the most crazy thing about planning a wedding right now in today's day? photography it's expensive it is dude what if just go with me here polaroid cameras just give every table a polaroid camera you'll get them instantly but those are kind of expensive too nowadays yeah so polaroid cameras are pretty expensive i have actually got my own polaroid camera and i'm quite fond of polaroid yeah um but from what i understand photographers are very stingy about other people taking photos while they're being paid to do that um so while I would be a huge fan, I don't want to disrespect other people in their professions. I like it. I like your heart, dude. It's good stuff. He's Thanks, always man. looking out. I love it. All right, uh, DK, tell us a little about yourself, man. What's up, y'all? My name's Dallas. I am 22 years old, and I'm on staff at Tsunami. Just moved down from North Carolina to Louisiana and just graduated college like Nick in May with a degree in economics. And so excited to be here, excited to be in Lake Charles. Excited to be in Cajun country eating good food all the time. Yeah, buddy. Okay, degree in economics. What do you do with that? Man, that's the question I've been asking my whole life, honestly. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do anything. I mean, I work in a, a finance job doing financial advising currently. Uh, could change. Who, who knows, honestly. But I think it it's less about the major and more about just getting the degree these days nice okay <laughs> please do pick a degree that you'll be passionate about though. <laughs> that's a lot of money to to spend and time to invest to get something you don't want to do that's for sure All right, world's lastly, most uh, expensive piece of paper oh yes dude i don't yes. even know where mine is like my diploma i have no idea where it's at that's not good i mean i don't really need it dude, no don't you don't need it no I'm pretty, i can get a copy of it i'm sure they probably charge me like Mine was expensive enough that we got it looking nice and, and framed up. Nice, man. I mean, you want to dress her up if she That's true. If she cost that. That's true. <laughs> my, I'll be paying for that piece of paper for a while. All right, I'll introduce me. Uh, I am Tyler Bushnell. I am the student pastor at Living Way Pentecostal Church. 
Uh, you've heard us mention the word tsunami a little bit. It might be confusing if you're not a member of tsunami. Tsunami is the name of our of our youth group of ages. Uh, actually, it's grades six through twelve. We meet weekly, and man, we have a crazy time, and it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, but I get the privilege to to pastor that. I am a a husband of almost nine years now. I am a father of two. I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old, and I've been a full-time student pastor for coming up on 10 years. And man, it's been a wild ride, and it, things have things have certainly changed from whenever I was in the youth group, you know, uh, to, to where we are now. But man, it's it's a joy, and it's a privilege to get to do this, and super excited about this podcast, because we're trying to keep up with the times and just be as relevant and as... Uh, accessible as we possibly can to get the word of God out. And so what we want to do is we want to introduce kind of our, our, our youth group. Well, we talked about it. It's, we've, it's been named Tsunami for forever since I've been in it. I was a member of Tsunami before I was ever on staff. It was already named Tsunami and I really don't know why it's named Tsunami. I really got no idea either. Um, I was a student and, and Tyler was actually a youth leader at the time he was leading in, in middle school uh, whenever I was in middle school. And so it's been Tsunami forever. I've really got no idea either. It's wild. We, we, you know, we got a wave, ride the wave. We, I don't know. We've no, we don't even discuss changing it though. It's just, it is what it is. And it's, it's, it's unique iconic. though. It stands out. Like what's a tsunami Louisiana? Like, man, it's, it's the youth group, you know, it's, it's crazy. You know, we go to like uh church camps once a, once a year and like people just know tsunami. It's like, it's living way, Lake Charles. So it's really cool. Uh, but like I said, we meet once a week, every Wednesday night and we, we gather and it's the best hour of the week and we have a whole lot of fun. We get crazy and wild. Uh, sometimes people get sent to the hospital from from the crazy games that we do. Uh, we actually have a party tonight with some games. We're hoping, you know, no accidents. You know, fingers crossed. No accidents this time. For sure. Randy, if you're listening, hope your chin's okay. <laughs> He's here too, bro. I just saw him all ago. Word? Yeah. Randy was the last victim of the urgent care visit from a game gone wrong. Wild story. Maybe we'll bring that up in a later episode of how to not uh, put on a game in your church service. Awesome stuff. Uh, but what we do, uh, our our goal is to connect our students first with God, obviously first get connected with God, but also to connect uh, with, each, with each other. And we do what we call series every single month, where every month of the year we have one specific topic that we talk about. And we talk about it all month long. And so we hit essentially one topic from multiple angles. And in, what it does is it just makes it way easier for a teenager to remember what we're teaching about, because I, I promise if I asked you, Hey, what did your, uh, what did your pastor or your youth pastor preach about last year? Like, give me a few uh, of the messages. You're probably hard pressed to think of specific things that your youth pastor talked about. But if you have a series and you hit it for an entire month and you probably had like a catchy slogan and a, you know, a, a stage design that all went around it, it's much easier for you to remember 12 really big points than, I mean, essentially what 50, individual sermons and so we do series every month and so what we're going to do with this podcast tsunami takeaways is we're going to give you the main takeaways uh that we taught for the entire month and we're going to give them to you so if you miss any services you can always check back here at the podcast and and tune in and, and get everything that you missed or if you're not even a member of of tsunami dude we just we're excited that you're tuning in and you get to just kind of get a glimpse as to what we are discussing each and every month here at tsunami so nick why don't you give us a little bit about this month lead us a little bit right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before I do that, I do want to say, though, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this podcast. I definitely wish I would have had a, an additional tool in my arsenal at your guys' age um, to have something like this. 
uh, rather than just texting my youth pastor like, hey, can you send me the notes? But now you've got an audio version of the notes in, in a way. So pretty pretty excited for you guys to have this. I'm pretty I'm, I'm very excited that, yeah, to sure. have this. Yeah, for sure. Me too. It's an um, honor to do it. Absolutely. It We're is nervous. I'm nervous right We're now. We're rookie. We're all rookies at this. Dallas, how are, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? I'm just trying to go with the flow and find my podcast voice. Trying to find a voice that I don't hate on recording. We're all anxious. None of us. Have, we don't even hear what we're sounding like right now. We're we have to wait till like we're just we, talking in a room. We're having a good. We time. don't even know. But, but it's some, fun. like how you have to find your sea legs. Got to find your podcast voice. So podcast legs. Podcast legs. You're you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good deal. Well, yeah. So like Tyler said, of course, this is the month of December. Uh, so Christmas right on the right around the corner. Um, big Christmas character. Um, course santa claus and kind of want to open this up is um what's y'all's view of santa claus is he i mean what's y'all's thoughts on him so santa wasn't really big i guess in my household i I don't know if my parents like tried to we never did like elf on a shelf or tried to say that presents were from santa i think we i don't know discovered early on that we knew where we were getting the gifts from but i mean I still love Santa. I love this the Santa Claus movies with um, yeah, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. I love them. They're the best. Yeah, we have those just like on loop in our office right now, just in the lobby. And it's like, those are good movies. Tim yeah. Allen's a good actor. Oh, He's kind of sure. funny. Dude, I grew up watching Tim Allen. Like, Tool Time was a home improvement. Home improvement. He had a show about having a show. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. Okay, so he has, that's like, like when I was a kid, home improvement was huge. So it's a, it's a TV show about his life. He has a family and all that, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas and all of them. Uh, But in the show, he is—he has a TV show where he is a home improvement like TV show host. Showception. And so, oh snap! Yes, he have another show where he's now he has one like The Last Man Standing. Yeah, where he's he's, also it even even kind of ties in sometimes a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So it was he was a show about having a show, showception, crazy stuff. But yeah, it was called Tool Time. Great stuff. Good deal. Tyler, what's your view on Santa? Okay, dude. So I, I got the distinct, like I'm a dad now. I have a, you know, my son turns five on Sunday actually. And he is, dude, he is so into holidays. Like he loves Halloween. He's a fanatic about Christmas. And so we're all about it. I married like my wife, Lauren, shout out Lauren. I love you. We like, she goes all out for Christmas. We have three Christmas trees in our house right now. Three, like one really big one. And then two like medium sized trees, completely decorated gifts under them. It's wild. Are these trees real or fake? No, they're all fake. You can't. I don't. You do already them. have gifts under them. Yeah, I know. So no, I think most of them are fake gifts. So they're just for decorations. My wife's all about the decorations. Is there anything real taking place in? There? I hope so. I hope so. You guys do know. stockings. We don't have a fireplace, but my wife has. This, I actually saw it this week. It's like a little little hanger thingy, and it's got like strings on it, and then she like clothespin stockings onto them. Really stockings cool. was big for us like really? it was that was where we get all like the socks and the candy yeah, you the know small, the, the smaller small, stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah but like with santa claus like i love it we we started elf on the shelf this uh this month and uh it's first time ever and dude it's it's awesome because what it it's it's definitely it's way more for the parents than for the kids because what it is doing is you know the elf if you don't know he like flies to the north pole every night and tells santa what you're doing so it makes the kids have to be good because they know this elf is is always looking at them and I had no idea that's what it was. That's what, yeah, and then, but it's weird because the elf doesn't want the child to be mischievous, but then the elf is known for being mischievous, like making messes and like hiding and stuff like that. So it's it's really it's really confusing, you know. But also, what it was the biggest blessing for us so far is that like my son, he's a night animal, like he's a party animal, night owl, whatever. I think I mixed those up. Uh, horrible, so hard to get him up in the morning. But whenever we tell him, hey, 
you got to come see what the elf did. And we named the elf King Bron, of course. We're a big LeBron James family. Uh, uh, and so we asked Nixon, we're like, we didn't even like, didn't even like, he's having a Space Jam theme party, you know, Friday. We didn't even, I, we just asked him, what do you want to name? He's like, LeBron James. And we're like, okay, let's, let's, you know, something. So we started naming all these names. So he came up with King Bron. And, and so every morning it gets him out of bed. He's excited to go see. So definitely Elf on the Shelf is like 25% for the kids, 75% for the adults. But Santa Claus, man, it's a creepy concept. You it got really this, you, you got this, it. this jolly big man with a crazy beard and he sneaks into your house at night, you know, once a, once a year and he eats your cookies and drinks your milk, but he does leave presents, which is really cool. Uh, but man, like this guy's breaking into your house, you know, and we just accept it. He sees you when you're sleeping and he, he knows that. when you're awake. Come on, bro. <laughs> Like, like, I mean, imagine going to work tomorrow. You're like, hey, Greg told me he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Like, Greg's going to jail, you know? But Santa, we love him. Uh, you know, but but also at the same time, you can make the correlation. Like, Santa and Jesus are pretty pretty similar. We, we, we expect their return. They bring good gifts. They bring joy. You know, it's pretty cool. But listen, listen this wrecked me last week. I listened to a, a podcast that I listen to every week, and they were talking about Christmas and, and Santa. And one of the main speakers said, listen, guys, I, f- I found this out, and it wrecked him. And it is like, it wrecked me too. Santa and Satan are the same letters. Just rearranged just a little bit. Dang. And when I heard that, I was like, no, because I'm Team Santa, bro. Like, See the man, signs. come on. <laughs> but I, I don't like that. That's a bad coincidence, you know? But, yeah, we're Team Santa. Santa, you come. Come to my house and eat my cookies, bro. But I, I heard this. I heard this. Maybe this will be the last thing we think about Santa. I heard that, you know, one of the best things you can do uh, for your children is not give extravagant gifts and say they're from Santa. Like the expensive gifts, like let them be from mom and dad. And let just like, you know, good, wholesome gifts be from, from Santa. Because what happens is these kids get these gifts at Christmas and they go back to school like a week later and they start telling each other what they got. And one kid's like, yeah, man, Santa brought me like, you know, a, a brand new PlayStation. And it was awesome. And then you got this other kid who's maybe his parents couldn't afford a PlayStation, but Santa brought them like their favorite book or something like that. And this kid's like, bro, why does Santa bring you a $600 gift? And he brought me like a $40 gift, you know, like what's up? And so I think that's just some really good advice. I know maybe a lot of listeners probably aren't parents, uh, but when you do become parents, that's really wise. That's good advice. Let your, let the good gifts, like dude, let your kids know that came from mom and dad. Mom and dad worked for this and your mom and dad love you. But Santa, he's going to hook you, man. He's going to bring you a good gift, but don't make it to where you put your kid in a bind at school because Santa seems unfair now, you know, it's pretty wild. Just something to think about. Yeah. Uh, I guess my view on Santa really quick. Um, We definitely grew up saying that we got stuff from Santa. Um, I was traumatized at the young age of seven whenever I found out that he did not exist. How did you find out? Um, I was at school, and uh, I can't remember the kid's name. He was like, just out of nowhere, he was like the Grinch. He was like, hey, by the way, do you know that Santa is not real? And I wept very hard. (laughs) King James Version. I wept. (laughs) I wept. Um, But, yeah, that was was traumatic. But, yeah, I didn't put a whole lot of emphasis from there on out. Especially after my brother Kyle, shout out Kyle, bro, um, found out. Me. Then Santa is no longer; it's not a household name for us anymore. So, man, I actually last week in tsunami, like it's Christmas time, so we're all Christmas games and Christmas themed everything. I had, my son was in tsunami with us, uh, and like he's about to turn five, and he's all gung ho about Santa, and he was sitting next to a young man. Like, and listen, dude, if if this is your personality, like just evaluate your life. This young man began to tell my son that like the North Pole and Santa and all this stuff is 
it's not real, that it's fake. And my son was sitting next to my wife and he was like, what, what? And everybody around us is like telling this, this, this young guy, like, bro, stop. Like, what are you doing? He just thought it was so hilarious, but like, it's not funny at all. So don't be that guy that makes a seven year old Nick bro weep (laughs) at school. You know, if, even if you're the same age, but like, man, if you know, like, dude, just keep it going. Like, keep the joy, keep the holiday, keep, keep the festivities alive. Absolutely. If you see my baby pictures, you would know as a seven-year-old, I was a very cute kid. And to, to break a kid of my caliber of cuteness's heart, um, it's just, <laughs> abs- I don't know how you could do that to me, but here, here we are. Man. I got a big respect for older siblings too that yeah. know, and then they still go along and make sure that the younger for siblings sure. get the joy that they had. When I they was were watching, young. uh. Because obviously everybody's watching Christmas movies right now. I watched for the first time uh, Christmas Chronicles. I think that's what it is. It's like, so like uh, you got like there's the younger sister and the older uh, brother, and the older brother no longer believes in anything, but the sister's all about it. And Santa comes, and they go and they like they they stay awake and they like catch him, but then he they make him wreck his sleigh because they freak him out, or whatever. But there was a moment at the beginning of the story where the brother's like really irritated at the sister, and he's about to tell her that like Santa's not real, but then he catches himself at the very last second. And he's like, I was like, oh man, that brotherly love. It's got to kick in. It's got to. So yeah, shout out older siblings. I'm not an older sibling, so I didn't have that responsibility. But both of y'all are. Y'all did have that responsibility. So Big stuff. Good stuff for uh, you guys. One more question. Um, kind of a lightning round question. We'll start with you, Tyler. All right. Um, give it to me. Any sort of Christmas family traditions? Whew. Okay. Man, I mean, we always go to like my grandparents' house on Christmas Day. We always open Christmas we always, always open presents on Christmas Eve. When I was growing up, like my dad always worked. Like dude's a working machine, right? And so we could never open up presents until he got home and like we all ate supper. Then he like took a bath because he's a mechanic. So he, he always got like really dirty. And dude, let me tell you, he would take like a three-hour bath, it seemed like. Man, probably just because we were kids and we were so ready. But we understood. We could not open presents until dad like got home. We ate supper. He took a bath. A very long bath, but then we all got to just like tear into them. We always had to start. We had to open the smallest present first and work our way to the biggest one. We couldn't just like go rampage on it. You know, it's, it was one, like I would open one, then my brother would open one, then my mom, then my dad. We'd go around, and that's just what we've always done. We still do it to this day. You can't go straight to the, the largest one first, and then everything else makes seems uh, pales in comparison. You got you to gotta work your way up. I, I agree. Know, brother. I agree with that. Big things can come in small packages. I agree. You know? Dallas, you got any other traditions? Yeah, I think growing up, just living far from my family, like Christmas was always associated with traveling, and we would always do Christmas with my grandparents on both sides of the family. So there wasn't as big of an emphasis on our specific family Christmas, even though we would do one. It was more low-key and just kind of like a basic gift exchange. But when we would go to our grandparents' house, we would like read the Christmas story in Luke and, you know, all sit around and around uh, my granddad when he read the story and then we would, you know, go one by one, not everybody opening it all at once. So kind of the same vibe, but it was more of a, a structured thing than just my own personal, like nuclear family Christmas. Yeah. What you, Dick? So we, my mom has a weird thing. She likes to try something every year. Shout out Barbara. Shout out Barbara, bro. And she likes to call it a tradition. So one year, we played pin the tail on the donkey. Oh, I got a game that will top that. So come back to me on that. I will. Um, every other year, or maybe we we do like the green pickle, where you got to find the pickle. And there's five. Oh, see, that was my game. That's oh, so weird. I got you. Hide what, the pickle. What is the pickle? Oh, game? it's the so hardest game for me ever. Tree, you know, there's you've got ornaments throughout. 
and there's a, a green pickle that's hiding in the tree that typically... <laughs> Why is it a pickle? I don't know. I, I think it's because it's green and it blends in so well with the tree. Maybe but cucumber. Anyway, oh. you got to find the ornament, and if you do, there's usually some prize yes. associated with and it. Dude, five, I'm colorblind. I could never see. Are you really colorblind? I am. I never see the green pickle hiding in the tree. We do it every year at my my in-law's house. And, bro, it's like, I don't even know why I even try anymore. Like, I, I never, never. I'll walk around that tree, like, scoping it out, like, while everybody else is busy doing stuff. Yeah. Never see it, bro. My sister Catherine typically wins. Matter of fact, I might be colorblind. I don't, I've never won. I've never won. So. Did you take the test in elementary school? No, I never well, You got to like, look at the circle, and they're like, what number do you see? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a circle. They're like, there's, there's a number. That's crazy. It is wild. My bro. dad is super colorblind. Yeah, man. <laughs> I can see the couch you're sitting on Dallas, so that's green. Yeah. Mine's always bad when things are mixed together. Like, if you give me a box of crayons, and you're like, hey, dude, pull out all the blue ones. Like, I got to, like, pull them out, like, one by one and look and see. And like, do you struggle with, navy and black at, or like, a stoplight? Do you just see the light no, I, coming? Or I mean, you no, see I, can, I can kind of tell those, but also, like, by the, like, where it's at. Like, obviously, the middle light's always, you know, always yellow and so on. But, but yeah, man, black and navy, though, they get, they, till this day, I will look at, like, a pair of pants, and I will swear they're black. And then five minutes later, I'm like, oh, man, those are so navy. And then five more, I'm like, no, dude, they are black. It's so, it's, <laughs> I always have to ask my wife. And my grandpa, he was real colorful. He was real bad. He was so bad that, like, my grandma had to write down and, like, pin a piece of paper on all of his coats and shirts saying what color they are so that he could just match it like that. Super wild. Good but deal. It is what it is. Awesome. Well, guys, you know, we've kind of had our, our laughs and our fun. Kind of want to transition to, like, the meat of our podcast. Um, one, we have got two main takeaways. This was a, a two-part series. But first one um, was, do you have room in your room? So kind of recap of the Christmas story. Joseph and Mary, they realize they're, they're pregnant with baby Jesus, and they're returning to uh, Bethlehem, and they are looking for a place to stay. But the inn that they go to has no room, and they're forced to stay out um, with the animals out in the, uh, in the barn and really we want to know, we want to establish that the, that the end, that the room that they were staying in did in fact have rooms for people to stay or for people to go, but they were all full. Uh, Brother Tyler made a, a strong point or the way he brought this to uh, was that we've all got rooms in our lives, but do we have room to put Jesus in that? So Dallas, I want, I'd like to, you know, open it up. I mean, whenever that first message was going, what were you thinking the whole time? What's something that you got from that message? Yeah, I think for me, it was just realizing all of the different influences in our lives. I think the analogy that Brother Tyler used when he had me up standing up there awkwardly saying, God, God, over and over, if you're there, then you'll remember that. I think that was a, a really fitting analogy for to illustrate all the distractions that are in our lives because it would be a lot easier to find room for Jesus if we didn't have you know 25 other things pulling us in in all these directions and especially as a young person um, you know you you are exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of a lot of different good things in our lives like sports and school and and friends and all these things that are inherently good things but ultimately can really become an idol or a distraction in your life if it is taking the place in the room for Jesus. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, Tyler, I want to bounce back to you. I mean, you wrote the message. Where, I mean, where'd you get your inspiration from? Yeah. So obviously we wanted to do a, it's December. So we wanted to go Christmas. And so I just wanted to go back to, 
essentially the beginning, like the first Christmas, uh, and just kind of talk about Mary and Joseph and how Jesus came about. And essentially like just doing some studying and looking at messages in the past and, and just, you know, doing my due diligence. I found out that in those days, basically when you had a house, you had a room in that house that was specifically designed for whenever people came to stay with you, that's where they would stay. And they called it the inn. Like you'd go stay at the inn. And, and so Mary and Joseph are making this this journey because of the census to go back to Joseph's hometown in Bethlehem. And, and Mary's like, she's pregnant. Like, you know, it's 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 almost go time. And so they're having to make this 90 mile trek and, and it's difficult. And it probably took them a lot longer than everybody else. And so by the time they get to probably Joseph's family's house, that's his hometown, there was a room specifically for them, but when they got there, there was no more room in the room. It's kind of what was one take from from how they interpreted the scripture. And so what, what I was saying is that we all have a room that God has given us that is made specifically for Jesus to come and reside. And then that's what beckons the question, do you have room in your room, which is essentially your heart? Do you have room for Jesus in your heart? Or are you so you know preoccupied and so busy and so overwhelmed with everything else going on in your life that when Jesus actually does show up to come and bring his presence and his his blessing and and just just to be with you, we don't have room in our in our room. We don't have room in our heart for him. And, and so you know that's it just and it you know it it begged that question, do I actually have room in my heart? for Jesus to come and reside, or do I find myself, especially at the holiday season, being so busy that really I just don't have time or, or room to put Jesus anywhere in my life? Love it. Um, I definitely resonate both with you guys. Um, you know, very busy time in my life. Uh, like I said earlier, um, I am engaged, so full-blown wedding planning mode. Yeah. Uh, recently graduated from school. Um, for those who don't know, I, I lead a ministry called The Switch for young adults, college-age kids. Um, so definitely busy. And if you're not careful, you can have all these great positive things in life that are good, like Dallas said, but ultimately it's not your, these things aren't your number one priority. Jesus should be your number one priority. For sure. And if you're not careful, like Dallas said, wedding planning can become an idol. The switch in and of itself can become an idol. Uh, hanging out, playing volleyball can become an idol. Um, definitely want to, to steer clear of placing things above, above Jesus. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest, man, especially I grew up in this generation that it was like sports were looked down upon so bad, you know, and you like my, my parents were raising that, like my parents weren't allowed to play sports because like it, they took up so much time and stuff like that. Uh, and, and that was really still pushed even whenever I was a, you know, a kid and a teenager. Uh, and I, I hate that view. Like, I, I don't like that. Now, obviously sports do not need to come before God, you know, but God has, bless so many people with these great abilities and talents that they can become a part of a team and then they can in fact share their testimony with their teammates because there's no friendship like a teammate friendship you know like you you struggle together and you fight together and you you know you sweat and you bleed together and that just brings such a brotherhood and then it's some of the best conversations you have are with teammates because you're so close already you go on those overnight trips you're in a hotel staying up late you're just talking about life you know and, and so i will never tell somebody dude you need to quit playing sports so you can focus on god you know but i think you just need to readjust like hey you're not an athlete first like you're a christian who is also blessed to be an athlete you know christ needs to be first you got to make room in your heart for Christ first. And then it doesn't mean that Christ takes up everything where you just need to sit in your room all day and read the word and pray and go to church. And that's all you have time for. Like God didn't call us to that. He wants you to go out into the world to make a difference. So center your, your entire focus of life on Jesus and let him be a part of everything else. 
instead of being like, Hey God, I'll get to you if I have time. Like, man, Christmas, I, you know, you say, Nick, okay, I got the switch. I got church. I got school. I got work. I got wedding planning, trying to be a great fiance, trying to be a good friend, trying to mentor. All these things are really great. You know, it, it is not like you got to choose, but when you keep Christ first, he'll be able to influence all those other things. Right. Uh, love that. You know, there's so many things in life, you, you know, great opportunities, but definitely, um, you mentioned something that I, and I, that's something that I struggled with when I was in high school. And I'm, I'm sure if these kids are anything like myself, they could probably benefit from getting some advice. Do you have any practical advice of when an opportunity comes about or how to recognize an opportunity to be a witness to, you know, uh, classmates or to, uh, to people you play sports with? Yeah, man, obviously, you know, the Bible says that we're going to bear fruit. We get the fruit of the spirit. And so essentially everything that you go through, if you're a Christian or not, you're going to go through the same things in life, but you're going to go through them differently. You know, if you go through, you know, we all went through COVID and, you know, a worldwide pandemic and everybody was afraid or anxious or just unsure. Well, if, if you didn't have Christ as your rock and foundation of your faith and your, your, your peace, well, that probably really shook you. But then when you know that, you know, God is still in control and that no weapon formed against me will prosper and that none of this is taking him by surprise and, and he's going to take care of us. You're able to go through the same situations that your your very best friends are going through, but you can have something they don't have. You can have peace because you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. And so, just let them see your fruit at school. You know, let let, let them be let them see how you're going through life and how you're going through it with peace and with comfort. And you're not you're not anxious and depressed about everything, but you you do have a sense of control because God is helping you go through this. And dude, be bold. Like, speak out about it, man. One of the worst, I, I say this to my youth group a lot, one of the, the the hardest thing that somebody ever said to me at school was that they had no idea that I was a Christian. And I mean, dude, that cut me so deep because I've been in church my entire life. Like, man, sword drill champion all through, you know, Sunday school. Come on, man. And, and then for them to be like, dude, like, I literally, I invited them to church and they said, dude, I didn't even know you went to church. And that really spoke to me like, dude, I'm not, I'm not bearing good fruit, you know? There, there was no difference between me as a believer as somebody else who was a non-believer. We, we acted the same. We responded the same. And so that really shook me. And so I just, you know, from that day on, I just wanted to always let people know, like, man, I have something special inside of me. And we can still shoot hoops and we can still play ball. We can still go and hang out. But, man, there might be some things that I'm not going to do that you're okay with. And there might be some things that I do that you're like, bro, why? That's too extreme. Why are you doing that? So, well, man, I'm different. You know, I have something different in me. And it's amazing. And it's readily available for you, too. Just use that as an opportunity to, to be a witness, you know, share, share the good news. Yeah. I think it's so important to identify that. I think I can relate to that in my own life that I had made room for God, but I made the mistake of just compartmentalizing him and not allowing him to really infiltrate. I think you can do all these things like sports and have, I mean, have friends obviously in school, but if you make room for God, but just leave him in the corner and don't allow him to have a little piece of himself and all of those right, things yeah. that you have your hand in, for sure. then you're really um, selling yourself short and selling others short. Yeah. So basically what Dallas is, I kind of like see this, this picture where say you, you have a capacity of, of 10 for your heart. You fit 10 things. Uh, instead of letting God be like six tenths of your heart, and then you have like your, your hobbies, everything, let him be just basically a part of every percentage of it where God is a part of your school. God is a part of your family. God's a part of your, obviously your church. God's a part of your, your, your hobbies or your sports, whatever. Instead of, I love that word compartmentalizing where, okay, I have my Jesus section for my heart, but then I kind of shut that off when I'm not at church. And then I have my, 
my personality of when I'm on the ball field and when I'm at school or when I'm with my girlfriend or so on and so forth. Instead of, I think the original plan is like, God wants to be a part of everything. Let me, let me lead you in, in every, every part of that. Let me lead you on the ball field. Let me be a part of your decisions when you're in school. Let me be a part of your, your future and all that. And just don't compartmentalize it. Yeah. Let it, let it be just a, an open flow that goes on to everything. It's so good. I love that. I want to tack on with what Dallas just said that, um, you know, kind of a, a fancy word that we, we kind of throw around in, in, um, in the Christian world, you know, being a missionary, you know, the idea of going off in a, a foreign land and whatnot. And while that is what a missionary is, but you can also be a home mission person, you know, when you're on the ball field and when you are at the mall, you, know, you can be a missionary. That could be your mission field and allowing Jesus to be a part of that and, you know, in a sense, be a minister, you know, in every part of your life. Good. Um, good deal. Well, hey, look, so takeaway number two that, you know, Brother Tyler preached on was where do you put Jesus or, or how do you see him? And we had four main characters that, that he, that Brother Tyler brought to our attention. First one was King Herod. The way he saw Jesus was as a threat. Number two was the wise men. And they saw this as an obligation. You know, they were required to go see Jesus. Number three, the shepherds. Um, scripture says that, that, you know, they had a change of heart, they had a change of life. So we can see them as a, as a life that's been changed. And then of course, Mary and Joseph. And for this, this was our priority. This was something that they brought. Um, it was the number one part of their life. You know, Mary was birthing Jesus. This was, you know, this was her all that she had. This is what she was going on. Um, so that was kind of want to open up, um, give some thoughts, feedback on these four thoughts on them. Where do you put yourself? How, who do you align most with? Let me ask this. Which one do y'all think would probably be the most common view of how this generation sees Jesus of the four? You know, King Herod as a threat, the shepherds as, man, he changed my life. You know, I, I went and I had an encounter with him and I left completely changed. The wise men where, you know, we go because we feel like we have to. It's an obligation. Like we, we're all guilty saying, I have to go to church today, you know, or you know, Mary and Joseph that, Hey, Jesus became the focus of our life. Everything began to revolve around him. Which of those four do you think is the most common viewpoint of Jesus in this generation today that we're trying to reach? I think just from what I've seen, I would say the point of view of the wise man is probably the most common. It's it's a requirement. And I think moving in to junior, senior in high school, you know, when you get your license and you're a little bit more independent and especially if you move off to college, that's when you'll you'll see people kind of lean one way or another where it'll they'll kind of go maybe to the point of view of Herod or they'll go to the shepherds, you know, but it's really a proving moment and season in people's lives when they have to kind of pick up their cross for themselves yeah. instead of it just being a requirement. Love it. Do you think Nick? I I've got a lot of faith in this younger generation. Come on. Um, with that being said, I would like to think that when people come to church, uh, especially our young students, that there is some life change taking place and that they certainly do want to come to church. Um, now I can't speak for every student, but for Tsunami, I like to think that they fall into a changed life. Um, that, that's, that's what I think. I love it, dude. I love it. I'll, y'all, y'all both gave two positives. I'll, be, I'll go the opposite way. And I think maybe y'all are thinking about the question from a Christian standpoint. I want to think of it. I, I've, I get to the privilege. I get to teach. I teach at a Christian school, uh, but it's still, you know, it's still a school uh, in this generation with a lot of diverse students going into it. And so 
it's a Christian school that's not completely full of essentially Christians, you know? And so a lot of them are there because their parents are making them go there. So they fall into the, I'm obligated to be a part of this. Uh, but, but honestly, that, that viewpoint that Herod had, that Jesus is a threat. I think a lot of people do see a walk with Christ as a threat, not as extreme as Herod where, okay, you're trying to take my place and replace me. So, so to say, so it's going to make me just go, you know, crazy. But a lot of people do see, this whole walk with Christ and accepting Christ as a threat, because when you accept Jesus, you have to change. You know, if you went to church and encountered Jesus and you didn't change at all, did you even, did you really encounter Christ? Well, probably not, you know, but, but a lot of people, they don't want to go all in with Christ because they know things in their life will, will be required to change. I can't keep talking the way I talk or act the way I act or telling those inappropriate jokes. And then you got to try and go into to an unfamiliar territory and unfamiliar in new things. They're always, well, they're uncomfortable and they're hard at first. And a lot of people see that as a threat and they're like, man, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to make that change. And then one of the biggest mistakes I see that young people make is they say, well, I don't want to make that change right now. You know, I'm in middle school or high school and I just want to have fun. I want to be me. I want to go and like, they'll, I want to make mistakes. I want to be, I want to at least have the opportunity to make those mistakes and, and go out and just be a part of culture and a part of this world and do what everybody else is doing. And if I'm trying, if I'm really, if I'm honest and I'm trying to live for God, I can't do those things. I can't go to those parties. I can't watch those Netflix TV shows or, or I can't listen to that type of music because, you know, I'm trying to represent Christ. And so they see it as a threat and they say, well, I'm just not going to do it right now. Let me graduate high school. And then they, they say, when things calm down in college, like, okay, if you've been to college, you know, things do not calm down or in when college. when things calm down after college. Yeah. They so they get to college, and then what do they do? Okay, let's, let's, okay, when, when I get out of college, then I'll start to take this whole God thing seriously. But then as soon as you go to college, you're, you're, you just get thrown right into career. And then maybe you get, finally, you, you start to get your head above the water of your career, and then you meet the one you're going to marry, and then you're focused on getting married, and then there's always going to be a next level. You get married, then you have kids, and then you're trying to get your kids through school, and you got baseball practice nine days a week, and there's only seven days, and how does that even add up? And it's, you're always trying to push it. Okay, well, if when things settle down, like, dude, life never settles down. No. And so, so many people make this mistake. They see, they see Christ as a threat. And they don't want to make that commitment just yet. So they keep trying to push it back and push it back. But man, just, you're never going to find that place where like, okay, things are so calm now. Now let's start to take Jesus more serious. When in fact, it's so ironic. Whenever you allow Jesus to be the center of your life, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who, who commands the storm to be calm, you know, and peace be still. And so, so many people are waiting for this still moment in their life to get real with Christ. When in fact, if you would get real with Christ, you would probably find that sense of calmness you actually truly desire. That's good. Yeah, Super good. absolutely. So, I mean, just being a little vulnerable and honest, I mean, like I said earlier, I grew up in Tsunami. I grew up coming to church here at Living Way um, and did a lot of the, the church things. But um, just like Brother Tyler just said, definitely put off being serious about this thing and not taking it serious and living my, my life. Um, fortunately, I had the opportunity to kind of get my life straight, and I had the mentality of, let me just make my mistakes and I'll get serious later. Fortunately, I did decide to get serious later, but I would encourage whoever would be listening to not go down the route I did because I've seen firsthand experience. A lot of people who said the exact same thing but aren't as fortunate or blessed to make the right decisions when they say that they will. That would be that would be my encouragement for sure and you know let's, let's be honest there's four viewpoints of jesus you're not going to get 
stuck in just one category. You're going to fluctuate. Even if you're like, you're let's say you're trying to make the transitions. You're trying to go from one to four. You see God as a threat, but then you're like, okay, I'm just going to go do this because I feel like I need to do this. I don't want to go to hell. I, need to go to, I want to go to heaven, so i got to go to church. you know. And then you actually have that encounter with Christ, and then he does become the focus of it all. And that's, I think that's like a very simple progression that you could take. But if we're honest, like even me, like 30, about to be 32 years old, just a couple months, a father. I mean, I'm a, like my, my life revolves around the church and God. And even in times like this, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see God as a threat. You know, he'll want me to do something that, man, I just don't want to do. It feels uncomfortable, and it's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Uh, sometimes I, I feel like it is an obligation. Those Sunday mornings where you stayed up late on Saturday night, and, and things have been crazy, and you're like, no, got to go to church. It's just so easy to fall victim to that mentality where we forget that we're actually blessed with the opportunity to go to church, but we look at it as this obligation. Man, I got to go to church. Can't go here because, man, I got to go to church. Can't stay out too late on a Saturday night because, well, I got church in the morning. You know, we have midweek on Wednesdays. Uh, you know, your friends are going over to somebody's house for study, and the study for a test that's coming up. Like, I can't, man. I got to go to church, and and we look at it as an obligation. And listen, man, that's it's almost good in one sense, but it's also, man, you don't want a relationship out of obligation. That's why Jesus gave us free will. You know, He wanted us to choose Him. He chose us so that we might have the opportunity to to choose Him. That's what makes a relationship a relationship. You know, and so we got to be careful not to fall into that 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 snare, that trap where the enemy makes us believe that this whole life of being a Christian and following Christ, it's out of obligation. You have to do it. And therefore there's really no joy and there's really no fulfillment in it. And then, you know, also I have moments where, where, man, I'll just have a complete encounter with Jesus. And like, it just changes everything. Like the whole outlook and perspective on life just changes in a matter of, you know, just this encounter and deep worship or when you're just in sacrificial time with God and you're in prayer and God just gives you that like, aha moment where everything just comes into play and things start to fit and align just so great. And I mean, it really is. It's a life change. But then, you know, there's also that that last one with Mary and Joseph where Jesus was the focus of their life. And and he their entire life revolved around Jesus where it was no longer, hey, Jesus, if we have time, then then we'll come and, you know, we'll, we'll invite you in and we'll, we'll do this and we'll go here and we'll do that. No, no, it was Jesus first. And then everything else. And man, listen, I'm not saying it's, that's, that's just a simple choice that you make. It's not. All right, I've seen a lot of people who try to go uh, from like literally no interaction with Jesus to making him the center of it all. And, and on paper, that sounds and looks really good. But man, you know, in, in the real world, that's, that's, that's a very large step to make. Uh, but, but it's something, it's a goal that we all should push towards and, and pursue. And, and where we're really everything that we do. Everything is, it's, it comes from a, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Every, before I, I'm going to respond, before I react, right? I want to, to have goals and ambitions that, that are not self-centered. Man, our, our world, dude, our, our, our world is such a prideful world where it's all about me. Like you go out and do your thing and it's all about you and, and do whatever it takes to be the best. And, and, and man, and God just came and he's like, just, just to humble the world, <laughs> You know, to put others first, that if you want to be first, you got to be last. And you want to be great, you got to be a servant. And, and, and that, that all comes back to, to pride, where it's always about what I want to do and when I want to do it and how I want to do it. But man, getting Jesus to be the focus of your life, it's really, really, listen, it's, it's actually going to give you what you truly want. Hey, to close out, let, let, me, let me leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with a multiple choice kind of quiz here, okay? A multiple choice quiz. Uh, 
I want to talk about pursuits and, and pathways. And so here, here's your multiple choice. All right, it's A, B, or C. Which life do you want? Okay, uh, choice A, where is where you get like the big house and you have lots of money and your fame and fortune and you know you're an influencer and people want your your autograph. They want you. They want you to answer all their questions. You know they're coming to you and you're 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 big in the showbiz and you got the ritz and the glamour and oh bro, this the lavish life, right? Or 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 maybe it's you know letter B. Option B, uh, a life full of depression, uh, scandal, uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, anxiety, uh, a life of competition where you're never really satisfied. You're always in comparison with what's next to you and who's next to you and how much they have compared to what you have and, and so on and so forth. Uh, or, or C, where it's a life of uh, you're humbled and you're a servant and you help others succeed. You help others get to your, to your level and, and you put others before yourself. You know, if we're honest, let's be honest, probably, you know, if we're, if we're operating out of the flesh, 99.99% of us, we're going to choose that option A with the big house and lots of money and, you know, prestige and all that. But what if I, but what if I told you that the constant pursuit of that lifestyle of a person A is actually the pathway to becoming a person in option B? That the the pursuit of of trying to obtain that big house and ritz and glamour lifestyle and prestige and all these great things that pursuit is actually a pathway to depression or you know suicidal thoughts or a life of competition where you're never fulfilled. It doesn't look that way at the beginning, but I mean that's why. Listen, our our the, our enemy, the devil, Satan. He he. Th- this world is his playground, and he has basically he has just made it this scandal for us to to pursue prideful living where it's all about us and where Jesus is not the focus. I am the focus. Listen, like if you look at the word pride, the very middle of the word pride is I. (laughs) And that's exactly how a lot of us live our life where we are the center and everything revolves around us. And hey, Jesus, if there's time, hey, I'm going to come to you. But if there's not time, I'm going to do me first. But man, listen, that is a lifestyle that is going to lead you farther than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. It costs you way more than you ever wanted to pay. So once again, let's ask the question, how do you see Jesus? Do you have room for him in your heart? And if you do, man, fantastic, yes. But then how do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a threat, an obligation, uh, a change of life? Or do you see him as the focus of it all, the center of it all, where he is in the middle of everything that we do? He is in the middle of everything that we are. Everything revolves around him. Man, that's my that's my my hope and my prayer for everybody listening that Jesus would in fact become the center of their life. The, that Jesus would be the focus of their life and they would live that abundant life that Jesus died to give you. Hey man, thanks so much for tuning in with us this month for Tsunami Takeaways. We can't wait to be back with you next month for a brand new episode of Tsunami Takeaways. Y'all have a fantastic day.